Would you stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful Word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of St. Matthew, chapter number 6. The book of Matthew, chapter uh, number 6 this morning. And we're going to read verses 19 and 20. Uh, These are in red in your Bible, if you have your actual Bible with you. So listen up. These are the words of Jesus. Amen? Jesus said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. I'm using for my subject today from success to significance, from success to significance. Father, I just pray today once again that the anointing, Lord, will rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. God, I pray that you will give us ears upon our heart today. Let us receive the Word of God. Lord, don't let it go in one ear and out the other. But God, may we actually listen and may we hear and may we heed the Word of God Uh, Today, Father, for your glory, we ask in the name of Jesus, all of God's people said, praise the Lord. Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, if you've been around here for a few years, you will know that at the end of every year, I spend some uh, concentrated time in the presence of the Lord, seeking direction for the coming year, both for my own life and for the life of of the church that I lead. Not always, but usually the Lord will impress upon my heart a particular word uh, as a theme for the coming year. I'm not saying that God uh, speaks audibly to me, but, but, but in my heart of hearts, in my knower, in my spirit, I, I usually hear a word from the Lord for the coming year. Well, this time, the end of the year, you know I was away on a ministry trip to Nigeria. And in that time, and and time that I had to study, to pray, to seek the Lord, quiet time, time in the hotel room, I, I felt the Lord impress two things on my heart. First, I heard the word purpose. The word purpose. So I believe that that for the year of 2015, for the Grace Place, I believe that this coming year will be a year of purpose. Now everything that we do should be on purpose. Um, It should fit within our core values. So if there is no definite purpose, for an event or for a certain ministry, then we should not spend our time, our talent, or our treasure on it. Hey, even if it has a purpose, but it does not fit within our main purpose, it should be rejected. Thank you for those three amens. So, we're going to talk more about this word later. The second thing that I felt the Lord impress upon my heart, I believe it was not just for the coming year, but I believe it is actually for the next ten years. Turn to your neighbor and say, ten years. And may I say that I was literally blown away by what I felt God was speaking to me. Fresh excitement and anticipation went off in my spirit like rockets blasting off. And this is what I was hearing in my heart. This is what I believe God was speaking and saying to me. I believe that I heard God say, it's time to begin moving from success to significance. Wow. It's time to start moving from success 
to significance. Now, now let me be the very first to say that I don't really know for sure what all that means. I don't know for sure what all of that will entail. You see, my experience with the Lord and how He has worked with me in the past is it's a process. It's a process. I I don't know how God speaks to you. I don't know how God leads you. But for me, God leads me in a process. God leads me one step at a time. He reveals things to me a little here and a little there. He never lets me see the full picture, but but he puts the puzzle together one piece at a time. So even though I believe that that is exactly what I heard in my heart and what I heard in my spirit, I, I don't know the I don't know exactly and precisely what that means and what all that is going to entail. I believe God is going to reveal that to us as we go along. Now, you might be here this morning and you might say, well, Pastor, what's the difference in success and significance? Well, let me give you my opinion. I'm giving you my opinion. I'm telling you what I'm I'm feeling in my heart and what I'm feeling in my spirit. So let me give you my opinion. For me, in my opinion, success is temporary. Significance is lasting. Success is for now. Significance keeps going. Pastor, what's the difference between success and significance? Success uh, goes to the grave with you. Significance keeps living after you are dead. How many of you want to move from success to significance? You see, I would hate to think that I would live my entire life And any value that I had to offer would die with me and would be gone the minute the last piece of fried chicken and the last bite of potato salad was eaten at the family dinner after the funeral. In our text, Jesus said, don't uh, don't get so caught up in trying to be a success uh, that you fail in the area of significance. Jesus was saying, don't die a rich man on planet earth and wake up a pauper in heaven. Jesus was saying, don't merely invest in yourself, because if you do, when you are gone, the investment will be gone too. But rather invest what you know in others. And what you have invested in others, a part of you will still be alive once you are dead. Your investment in others guarantees that you, in a sense, will never die. Your investment will be like the Energizer Bunny. It'll just keep going and going and going and going. Paul said it uh, like this in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. He was writing to young Timothy, his son in the faith. And Paul wrote to young Timothy and he said, Pass on to others what you have heard me say. He said, What the ministry that you have received from me, the teaching, the training, the nurturing, uh, the wisdom, the knowledge, all that I have imparted to you, uh, pass on to others what you have heard me say and then let them pass this on still to others. Paul was saying, I I want to move from success to significance. He, He was saying, I do not want my teaching to go with me to the grave. All right, let's talk about how to go from success to significance. Let me let me suggest three things I believe that we will need to do. The first thing that we will need to do if we are going to move from success to significance, the first thing we're going to have to do is analyze. Say analyze. Now let me tell you that I know that I have talked a lot about this point recently. And honestly, honestly, I really struggled with this presentation today. Because I know that everything I have to say today, I have said before, and I've said it more than once, and I struggled. Am I being redundant? Am I repeating myself too much? 
And I struggled to the point that I actually lost some sleep these past couple of nights over this message. But here's what I've come to know. People don't hear you the first time you say something. They don't hear it the second time. The third time. Only the things that you say over and over and over again actually get heard and for sure get heeded. I have people that I have pastored I pastored them 20, 25, 30 years ago that still say to me when I see them. It hadn't been that long ago that somebody that I pastored 20 years ago said, when I saw them, they said, uh, well, pastor, uh, and they still call me pastor. Hadn't been their pastor in 20 years, but they still call me pastor. And they said, pastor, I quoted you the other day. Hadn't been their pastor for 20 years. I quoted you the other day. Uh, Something came up and this person said, Well, remember what Pastor Benson used to always say? And then this is what I said. And then the fact is there are people uh, here today that have never heard this ever before. And forget all about that because that's all about me not wanting to be criticized for repeating. That's what it's all about. Because I do have feelings. (laughs) But the bottom line is, this is what's on my heart. And that's what, this is what God is saying to us right now. Amen? So, how do we go from success to significance? The first thing we need to do is analyze. We need to discover where our success really is. Discover where our success, where is, what is successful in our life. We can't go from success uh, to significance if we don't even recognize where our success is. And so we need to discover where our success really is. And let me remind you that success, at least to me, is not found in money, it's not found in fame, it's not found in stuff, it's not found in position. In position. But for me, success is knowing uh, God's purpose for my life and then passionately pursuing the purpose of my life. That is success. So here are three questions to ask yourself in determining your divine purpose and give you divine direction in what would actually be success for you. Ask yourself... We need to ask ourselves, number one, you've heard me say it many times, what's in our heart? What's in our heart? Psalm 37 and 4 is misquoted and misunderstood. Here's what Psalm 37 and 4 actually says. Psalm 37 and 4 tells us that God wants to place His desires for our life in our heart. We say God says he's going to give me the desire of my heart so I can desire anything. And God, No, that's not what he's saying. What he is saying is that God wants to place his desires for us in our heart. He says that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, that if we grow close to the Lord, he said that if we spend time with the Lord, then, then, then the Lord will place his desires for us in our heart. So if I'm looking for my purpose, and if I'm looking for where I can be successful in my life, I need to look, once I have spent time, I've delighted myself in the Lord, I've grown close to the Lord, I've spent time with the Lord, uh, then I need to look in my heart and see what God has put in my heart. As I look in my heart, I discover four things that I am passionate about. Now, I'm not... Now, talking about my personal relationship with God, I'm taking for granted that you know that comes first. Now, talking about that. But besides that, when I look in my heart, I see four things in my heart. There are other things in my heart, but these are the main four things that I see in my heart. Number one, my relationship with my family. When I look in my heart, I see my relationship with my, my family, my wife of 42 years. My kids and their spouses. My grandgirls. My parents. 
In the past two weeks, I have sat down with my son and my daughter. And I've looked them both in the eye individually, and I have given them permission to tell me anything that I do that drives them crazy. Anything that I do uh, that would keep them from wanting a relationship with me, that would keep them from wanting to spend time with me. I told them, I don't want you to spend time with me out of obligation. I don't want you to spend time with me because it's Christmas and you got to go to the folks for Christmas. You got to do it. I said, I don't want you to visit. I don't want you to spend time with me out of obligation because I'm your father. I said, I want you to spend time with me because you want to spend time with me. I want you to spend time with me because you enjoy being with me. I said, I want you to like me, not just love me. And I want to remove any hindrances to our relationship. So if there's something that I do uh, that just irritates you, it grates on you. Uh, if there's anything in, that I do, uh, you know, that would cause you not to want to have a relationship with me or not want to spend time with me, I want you to tell me what it is. And I said, don't worry about my feelings. I am telling you, you can tell me anything right now because I want to know because if there's something there, I want to work on it and fix it so we can have a great relationship. Already have one, but I want to make sure that it's genuine and it's not out of obligation. When I look in my heart, number one, I see my family. Number two, I see my ministry. When I look in my heart, I see my ministry. And when I look at my ministry, there are three things that drive me. Uh, there are three things that motivate me. There are three things that keep me going after 42 years of nonstop, uninterrupted, full-time ministry. Number one, a genuine love and concern for people. Now, you can throw rocks at me. You can, you, you can pick me apart. You can find a lot of things wrong with me, and there are a lot of things wrong with me. I have a lot of falls, faults. I have a lot of flaws. But I'm going to tell you that I have a genuine, true love and concern for people. And especially people that have been wounded. People that have been hurt. People that have been beaten up by other ministers or ministries. People that have become disillusioned and disheartened about church and about the ministry. Because they've seen so many mess ups and they've seen uh, so many uh, uh, problems in ministry along the way. This, I have a heart for these kind of people. God has given me a whole lot of those kind of people in the last 42 years. Especially the last 30 Second thing that drives me in ministry is missions. When I think of the millions of people that, that, are, that are going to go to heaven that, that would have gone to hell, but because of the investment that me and my wife have made in missions, because, because I have pounded away for 42 years at every church I've ever pastored, I've pounded away about missions, and I've, and, and, I've, and, I've, and, I've, and I've tried to shake you upside down and get every penny out of your pocket I can for missions. Because I know that every dollar represents souls that are either going to be in heaven or they're going to be in hell. And when I think about the fact that literally millions of people are going to be in heaven and they're not going to go to hell because of my investment in missions, wow, that, wants me to keep, that motivates me to keep moving forward and keep going. And number three, recently, this is a recent thing. Recently, God has placed a burden on my heart for struggling pastors. Statistics tell us that only one or two, depends on which statistic you read, but, but only one or two out of every ten pastors in America who begin as a pastor will finish as a pastor. In other words, somewhere between 80 and 90% of pastors who begin as pastors will not finish in ministry. They will drop out of ministry somewhere along the way. 80 to 90%. So 
Sounds to me like somebody needs to help some of these hurting pastors. And somehow, I don't know how it's going to happen. I've got a couple of little ideas, but somehow God is going to give, uh, is going to use me in my latter years of ministry to help equip some pastors, both locally and globally. And equipping pastors will be one way that I can move from success to significance. We're still on analyze this morning, all right? So if you are going to move from success to significance, if we as the Grace Place family are going to move from success to significance, we must ask ourselves, first of all, we must ask ourselves, what's in our heart? And question number two we need to ask is, what's in our hands? Because God always starts with us right where we are. He uses what we already have. And God doesn't need a lot, but He does need something. And the something that He needs, we already have. You're saying, if I had this, if I had that, if I had something else, I would... No, 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 no. No, God will start with you right where you are, and He will use what you already have. Already you have within your life and within your hands, already what you need, not only to become successful, but also to become significant. The beginning of that's already in your hands. When God called Moses, you know the story, to lead the children of Israel out of bondage, he used, the, he used the, the shepherd's staff that Moses already had. Exodus chapter 4 and verse 2, God said to Moses, Hey, Mo, what do you have in your hand? When Elisha worked the financial miracle for the widow in 2 Kings chapter 4, he asked her, What do you have in your house? I mean, she's desperate. She's seeking the man of God. She, she thinks it's over for her. She, but, but the man of God says, what do you have in the house? There's something there. And he began the miracle with what she already had. And when Jesus fed 5,000 hungry families and all-you-can-eat fish buffet, he began the miracle by saying, go through the crowd and see what we already have. And all they found was a little boy with a Happy Meal. But Jesus took what they already had. And the Bible said He blessed it and He broke it and He gave it. And what they already had plus the blessing of the Lord upon it and the miracle took place. God, God has already placed in our hands everything we need to begin the process of moving from success to significance. With God's blessing on what is already in our hands, we can not only be successful, but we can begin the process of moving from success to significance. The third question. We need to ask ourselves is what's in our history? You see, our history is a clue as to what could become significant in our future. When I look at the history of my 42 years of ministry, the common denominator that I see occur over and over and over and over again in the last 42 years is hurting people, divided and wounded churches, buildings to build and renovate, I built four new churches and four additions to churches, remodeled two churches. How will I personally move from success to significance? I I must somehow impart my knowledge and wisdom in areas of my success into others. No amens because you didn't think I had any knowledge or wisdom. But I must find out what is working in my life. I must find out where where the little success that I have in my life. And I must take that and I must impart it to others so that the limited knowledge and wisdom that I have can live on long after I'm dead and gone. 
And so this is why I want to spend the next 10 years pouring into my staff and in some way, I don't know how, but in some way pouring into some other lead pastors. How do we move from success to significance? The first thing we have to do is analyze. The second thing we'll have to do is prioritize. Prioritize. Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 33, seek the kingdom of God first. Say first. If success is is defined as knowing and passionately pursuing God's purpose for our life, then this should be uh, become top priority in our life. Once we discover what's in our heart, our hands, and our history, we can now prioritize. So let me suggest three things that will help you prioritize. Number one, do less, not more. Now, I'm not talking about amount. I'm not talking about volume. I'm talking about how many different types of things you do. Do less, not more. You see, nobody is good at everything, but everybody is good at something. Do what you're good at. Somebody else, find somebody else to do the rest. Do what produces the most fruit in your life. Do what you're able to sustain. See, I can start a lot of things, but if it's not in my heart, I can't sustain it. Do what you can sustain. Do only what's in your heart, your hands, and your history. Number two, please God, not people. Do what you know God has called you to do, not what people criticize you for not doing. Wow, that's good. Because you see, people will always think they know what you ought to be doing. Some of you sit out there every Sunday, you just, boy, he ought to be doing this. He ought to be doing that. They ought to be doing this. Why aren't we doing this? People will always think they know what you ought to be doing. Hey, hey, they're probably not doing a very good job at running their own lives, so why should you allow them to run yours? I said it as nice as I could. (laughs) Acts 5 and 29 says we ought to obey God and not man. Tell you one of the reasons why eight to nine out of ten pastors, and we've got a district official here, he can correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the reasons that eight to nine out of every pastor uh, drop out of the race is they're trying to please everybody. And they're trying to do what the deacon board wants them to do, and what the elders want them to do, and what, you know, the, the biggest giver in the church wants them to do instead of what God wants them to do. Amen. Please God, not people. Amen. Amen. Here's what I believe, and I believe it more every day. On Judgment Day, and yes, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And on Judgment Day, God will not ask us, what did you do for me? He won't ask you, what did you do for me? I believe He will ask you, did you do what I asked you to? A lot of people are doing a lot of things they think for God, but they're not doing what He wants them to do. It's one thing to do things for God. It's another thing to do what God told you to do. Big difference. And number three, do what works, not what works you. You can quote me on this one. A God idea will work. A good idea will work you. How are we 
we're going to move from success to significance, both as individuals and as a church. Well, number one, we're going to analyze. Number two, we're going to prioritize. And number three, the third thing we're going to have to do is we're going to have to strategize. Strategize. Proverbs 21 and 5 says, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. Somebody said, Plan your work, then work your plan. Somebody else said, This is good. They said, There is no great progress without great process. There is no great progress without great process. So let me give you three things to help you strategize. First thing you'll have to do is understand your timeline. Understand your timeline. Ask yourself, how much time do I have? Now, I understand that nobody knows exactly how much time they have to live. But barring unforeseen uh, circumstances, how much time do I have? I've been asking myself that question recently. Because you see, one month from today, exactly one month from today, I will have my 60th birthday. I know I look 40. I know that 60 is the new 40. But the reality is, one month from today, I will turn 60. My goal, say goal. My goal is to retire as lead pastor on my 70th birthday. That's my goal. Now, it's a plan, not a promise. That's one of my new sayings. It's a plan... Not a promise. You see, you see, God might have other plans for me that I'm not aware of. And this church might grow tired of me and throw me out on my ear before then. It could happen. Just try it, but it could happen. Just kidding, come on. It's a plan, not a promise. But as I strategize on how to move from success to significance, both personally and in leading my church, I must understand my timeline. Number two, I must unite with the right people and the right projects. I must unite with the right people and the right projects. I say that a lot also. I understand. I know. I do. But as I prioritize and strategize, I must determine who belongs in my inner circle of influence. I must determine which positions and projects will help me in my process of moving from success to significance. And and I must recognize and understand which positions and projects will hinder me and slow me down and maybe even keep me from moving from success to significance. So I must unite with the right people and projects. Let, Let me ask you this this morning. Was Aaron and her a help or a hindrance to Moses? They were a help. A couple of times Aaron got in the way, but mostly. Was Jonathan, was he a help or was he a hindrance to David? Was Paul a help or a hindrance to Timothy? Let me ask you this, was Delilah a help or hindrance to Samson? Was King Saul a help or a hindrance to David? Yeah, we've got to strategize. We understand our timeline. We've got to unite with the right people, the right projects. And one last thing that will help you strategize is you need to uncover hidden treasure. You see, I'm convinced that every single one of us here today have hidden treasure that we're not even aware of. 
In point number one of this message, when I said to ask yourself what's in your hands, I gave you three examples. I gave you the example of Moses, I gave you the example of Elisha and the widow, and I gave you the example of the feeding of the 5,000. In all three of these instances, the people involved had absolutely no clue that there was any value at all in what was available to them. What God would use in every one of these instances to work miraculously in their life was already in their hands and was already in their possessions and they were not even aware of it. The following is a true story. I'm sure I'm going to say the wrong name. Make the pronunciations are going to be wrong. I'm just being honest. But the following is a true story. A Persian farmer named Ali Hafed or Hafed whatever his name is, owned a farm. And one day he heard about the discovery of diamonds. And he got so excited about the prospect of of, of finding and discovering diamonds and becoming wealthy and rich. And so he sold his farm and he spent the rest of his life in in search and hot pursuit of, of diamonds. And he spent years traveling and searching and and looking for diamonds all over the world. Until finally he found himself broke and in despair. And so he jumped to his death from the coast of Barcelona and drowned. Meanwhile, the man who had bought his farm noticed one day a large, beautiful stone in a stream that ran through the property. Ali Hafed's farm became the diamond mine of Golconda, one of the most magnificent diamond mines in all of history. Ali Hafed had hidden treasure that he failed to uncover. Correct me, Mr. Basketball Man, this is just off the cuff here, but didn't Michael Jordan get cut from his basketball team when he was in high school? Perhaps the greatest basketball player of all time was cut from his high school team because his coach failed to uncover hidden treasure. Ali Hafen had hidden treasure that he failed to uncover. He already had in his possession what he spent his entire life searching for. What he was searching for. What he wanted more than anything in his whole life. He already had in his possession, but he failed to uncover. He had it and didn't even know it. As you strategize on how to move from success to significance. Don't forget to uncover hidden treasure. Look under every rock, look in every corner, look thoroughly, look completely. And don't underestimate what you find. See, that's the reason that people, I talk about purpose. I wish I could find my purpose. Glad you've got your purpose. Wish I could find mine. I'll sit down with you five minutes and tell you what your purpose is. Stop looking for some grandiose something or other. For Moses, it wasn't nothing but a stick. Hello? I number. Housewife and a mother. What? What is more significant than raising godly children? Don't forget to uncover hidden treasure and don't underestimate what you find. 
Andrew said to Jesus, said, 5,000 families, all we found was this little boy with his Happy Meal. What is this compared to that? But this is all Jesus needed. He don't need a lot. He just needs something. He just needs the something you already have. When Elisha asked the widow, what do you have in the house? She said, nothing. Don't have a cotton bitten thing? Why I called you? Oh, I got a little jar of oil. Well, go get it. It's just a jar of oil. Yeah. That's all God needed. What she had. Amen? Yeah. That's all God needs. Don't underestimate what you find. Perhaps your significance will be in your investment in someone else. Maybe your kids. A little snotty-nosed brat, but what are they going to grow up to be? Billy Graham was a snotty-nosed brat at one time. Amen? Perhaps your significance will be in, in the investment that you make in somebody else. Maybe it'll be in your kids. Maybe it'll be in your staff. What if I pour into a staff member that becomes a superstar? Builds a mega church. What if I pour into some discouraged pastor? God helps me encourage somehow and because I was able to encourage them somehow or give them a, some tools or some equipment or something, whatever it might be, it would save them from becoming one of the statistics. And, and, and what if they do something awesome and incredible for the kingdom of God? How do we begin the process of moving from success to significance? We analyze. We prioritize. We strategize. Worship team, get back in place this morning. Please do not tune me out. The next couple of moments are very, very, very important. Perhaps you're here today and you're thinking, move from success to significance? I don't think I'm even successful, let alone become significant. For those of you who feel this way, and you're here this morning. For those of you that feel this way, let me say two things. Listen to me. Let me say two things. Number one, don't forget my definition for the word success. It has nothing to do with where you live. Nothing to do with what you drive. Nothing to do with the position you hold. Nothing to do with how much money you have. It has everything to do with fitting into God's plan for your life. Stop comparing your ministry or your marriage or your stuff with somebody else's. Because their purpose is not your purpose. And your purpose is not their purpose. And number two, and listen carefully. Who you choose to become is far more important than who you have been. I said who you choose to become is far more important than who you've been. My mother constantly tells my father, I love the man you have become. 
pretty good. Who you choose to become is far more important than who you've been. And number two, this is Andy Stanley here. Direction, not intention, will determine your destination. See, everybody's got good intentions, but good intentions won't get you there. Direction will. Direction, not intention will determine your destination. And what feels like a sacrifice now will feel like an investment later. I can't speak for you, but I get really excited when I start thinking about the fact that God could take me personally and God could take us as a church from success to significance. Success is no longer enough for me. Say, oh, Patrick thinks he's successful. Yeah, I do. I am successful. Because I'm doing what God tells me to do. That's what makes me successful. Not because I have a bigger church than somebody else. Make more money or whatever. You sure are confident. I'm confident in the fact that I pray. I ask God what he wants me to do. When I hear God tell me what to do, I do it. And that makes me successful. Amen. So if that's cocky and arrogant, I'm cocky and arrogant. I don't mean to be. I'm just saying I'm successful in the fact that I do what God put me on planet Earth to do. That's good. That's really good. And many of you are also. You just don't even recognize it. You just don't even see it. Everybody else sees it, but you don't. Amen. Would you stand with me in His presence today? Father, I just pray today, God, that you'll take the word today. Father, I believe this is more than just a sermon. I believe it's a word from the Lord. I believe it's a word from the Lord for our church. I believe it's a word from the Lord for me personally. I believe it's a word from the Lord for, for everyone here this morning that will receive it. your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed today. How many of you in this room today would say, Pastor, wow. Why would I want my life, live my whole life, and when I'm dead and gone, it's all gone? Why would I not want to leave a legacy? Why would I not want what I know, what I've learned, both good and bad and ugly, to be passed on generation to generation? How many of you lift your hand with me and say, I want to move from success to significance? All over this room. That's my heart. That's my desire. I'd just like everyone to come to the front this morning. Everyone move forward. We are a Pentecostal church. We're charismatic, full gospel, whatever label you want to put on us. We believe in the altar. I don't believe we ought to just hear a sermon and then just hear it, say, okay, another one done, out we go. No, I think it should be cemented. I think it should be evaluated. I think it should be contemplated and looked upon and thought about and, 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 and get out of our ears and down into our heart. So I want you to do that this morning, everyone. I want you just to take the word that has been shared today. And you can't get all of it, but there's different words that have been shared, things that have spoken more specifically to you than others. Let God speak to your heart this morning. Would you do it as they play softly just for a couple of moments? Just begin to 
meditate upon the word that has been shared this morning and let God, let God speak to your heart. Let God speak into your spirit. Let God give you direction for your life. Amen. One-on-one time in the presence of the Lord this morning. I'm going to say this one last time and then we're going to move on unless the Lord pounds my heart again but I'm going to say it one more time we're in a brand new year we're in a brand new place if you don't want this year to end up like last year and the year before and the year before and the year before Now's your time to evaluate. Now's your time to make some changes. Now's some time to add some things. Now's some time to subtract some things. Now's some time to renew your focus. I want you to do that. I love you. I want to see, I want to see a difference in your life at the end of this year. I want to see a difference in our church at the end of this year. You're not looking at a pastor that's trying to coast to retirement. You're not looking at a pastor that's trying to tread water and just keep his head above water, hang on until I can collect my social insecurity. You're looking at a pastor that wants to do more in the last 10 years of his full-time ministry than he did in 42 years of ministry all combined before. You're looking at a pastor and his wife who have prayed for many years now that our latter years will be greater than our former years. Guess what? We're in our latter years now. Not latter years of life, but latter years of ministry full-time. all the seeds that we planted and all of the prayers that we prayed for this to happen. Time for it to happen. I believe it already is. I believe it will continue. Amen.